Good morning everybody, this is Law Schoolers, and this is actually the day after criminal law, at least this first lecture, but we're going to go over what we talked over in lecture yesterday, which we talked about special defenses to attempts, and that was going to be um, impossibility and abandonment. These are two different defenses, and talk about them both here in this episode. But in possibility, we have people versus thousand, and we are given the definitions of the several different types of impossibility. <clears throat> what happened in people versus thousand is that an undercover cop uh, pretended to be a minor, and a thousand um, on an online thing ended up uh, sending some inappropriate material to the cop and said, I want to meet with you here, obviously to uh, engage in some legal activity. And the undercover cop showed up and arrested Thousand at the time and place that they had previously determined to go. And Thousand says, well, hold up. It's actually legally impossible for me to be guilty of this crime because the crime that you're charging me with requires you to be a minor, and the undercover cop was not a minor. As a result, I can't be legally guilty of this crime. And the court here defines the several different steps of, well, the several different types of impossibility. There's factual impossibility, there's pure legal impossibility, and there's a hybrid legal impossibility. And let's go over the definitions of each of these real quick. And factual impossibility is when the defendant intended um, and sorry, when, when there is, let me just start that over. A factual impossibility is when the defendant intends his result to constitute a crime, but they actually fail to have that crime because of a factual circumstance unknown to the person trying to commit the crime. So, for example, a person is going to pull a gun, pull the trigger, and the gun misfires or doesn't fire because the gun is unloaded. That is a factual impossibility. It's very similar to a mistake of fact and a mistake of fact argument. Factual impossibilities will never serve as a defense to certain crimes. Then there's pure legal impossibility, and this is that the criminal, uh, the, the law does not prohibit the defendant's conduct. Yeah, the law does not prohibit the defendant's conduct. And so, for example, a person can believe that they are committing a crime, but the law doesn't actually recognize their actions as a crime, and so you can't charge them for committing something that was not actually a crime. An example of this is a person believes that the age of consent uh, for sexual activity is 18, and they have sexual contact with a 17-year-old, and it turns out that the age of consent was actually 17. Well, they didn't actually break a law, even though they believed that they were breaking a law. That's pure legal impossibility. A hybrid legal impossibility takes kind of a combination of a factual impossibility and a pure legal impossibility and puts it together. And what that means is that uh, if the defendant 
Let me work out this definition. So if the defendant has an illegal goal, but due to facts, it's impossible to actually reach the legal status of that goal um, by some other factor, such as an attendant circumstance, then that is... Give me one second. I need to work out legal... Impos a hybrid legal impossibility in my head. Okay. So the defendant has an illegal goal, meaning he believes that what he is doing is a crime, and what in fact he is doing is a crime, but it's impossible because of a factual mistake to actually reach the element of that crime. And so this example in Thousand is an example of a hybrid legal impossibility. And the reason for that is because the person believed that they were committing a crime. Uh, they knew that they could get in trouble for this. He, he had told the cop, and don't tell anybody because I could be in trouble for these actions. So he knew that he was committing a crime, and then... But due to some factual error, meaning the cop wasn't actually a minor, it was not possible to meet one of the required elements of that offense. And that required element was that the person needs to be a minor. And this is really where the common law and the MPC approach differs here. So underneath the common law, factual impossibility is never going to be able to be a defense, and the same thing with the MPC. In the common law and the MPC, a pure legal impossibility will always be a defense. And then underneath the common law, a hybrid legal impossibility can serve as a defense, but not underneath the MPC approach. So what is the MPC approach? Well, the MPC approach is simply just that. It allows for a pure legal impossibility as a defense, and that is it. All other factional impossibilities and hybrid legal impossibilities cannot serve as a defense. And the reason why a hybrid legal impossibility underneath the MPC approach can't serve as a defense is because you're adding in a factual element. And if you focus too much on that factual element, you're going to really come back to a factual impossibility to begin with. The person did commit a crime or at least they believed that they were committing a crime, and they had done all the things that was necessary for a crime to be committed except for a factual mistake. In, in this case, it would have been they did not know that the person was not a minor. They believed that the person was a minor, but they didn't know because of a mistake, and the MPC doesn't allow that approach to happen. So let's just go over a couple of examples here. So say somebody puts their hand on another shoulder. These examples are coming out of our book. Um, say somebody puts a hand on another person's shoulder without their consent and believes that that constitutes rape. And then he is charged with rape. Well, this is a pure legal impossibility because one of the requirements for rape is actual having that in sexual contact, and there is no sexual contact here. 
And so this is a pure legal impossibility, and he can't be charged for this crime. So what about somebody who goes and attempts to uh, shoot at the White House, believing that the president is there, but it turns out that the president is not there? Well, it's a factual impossibility that he attempted to assassinate the president. And the reason for that is because he believed that the president was, president was there, but failed in his actions because the president wasn't there, and that is entirely a factual thing. He had met all the requirements for attempted assassination, except for this factual thing. And so that's a factual impossibility, and he can still be guilty of that crime because there is no defense. A hybrid example would be, I mean, the the case that we talked about, people versus thousand. Another example would be when a person goes and uh, attempts to kill another person, but it turns out that the person was already dead. So they go uh, and, and pretty much shoot a corpse. Believing that the person is alive, they shoot this corpse. And it turns out that the person was already dead. And this is a hybrid legal impossibility. Why? Because they have this intent to go and shoot somebody. And they're going to go and kill somebody. But they actually can't legally kill somebody because the person is already dead. And one of the elements required to kill somebody is that the person is alive. And so this is a hybrid legal impossibility because... Only a factual error negates the actual element of the crime. But everything else was met, and their actions were fulfilled, except for that actual element. And underneath the MPC approach, this is not to defense. And underneath the common law approach, this is a defense. Let's go ahead and move on to abandonment. We have Commonwealth versus McCloskey. What happened here is that he had attempted uh, to break out of prison, or rather that's really what he was charged with. The majority says that he actually didn't make an attempt, meaning his prison break was still in preparation. And the reason for that is because he had cut the wire to an inside fence, and then he had gone out into the court, uh, the recreation area, and then he turned around and came back changing his mind. And so he abandoned his attempt. The majority in this case says that he hadn't finished his attempt yet, meaning he had not met the required elements of an attempt. And as a result, he was still in the position to abandon. And because he did abandon, well, then he can't be guilty of an attempted prison break. The concurrence agrees with the result, but they disagree with the analysis. And what they say is that the person voluntarily abandoned the attempt. They believe that he had attempted to already prison break just by cutting the wire. He had gone over the line that was required for somebody to be and to meet the elements of an attempt. But he voluntarily abandoned because he didn't hear the alarms that went off and he just turned around, left of his own accord, and as a result, he can't be guilty of of an attempted prison break because even though he did reach the elements of attempt, 
he crossed back over that line to where he could no longer be considered guilty of an attempted prison break. And that is more of a modern approach. The MPC says that you can can abandon an attempt, so you meet the requirements for an attempt, and then you can abandon it as long as your abandonment is complete and voluntary. So an attempt is not complete if the defendant is motivated only uh, to postpone the criminal conduct. So say a person goes and they're intending to commit a crime, and then it turns out that it's the Christmas season, and so they abandon their attempt to be to wait out the holidays. They they just don't want to ruin anyone's day that day, so they're going to wait out the holidays and then go back to doing their criminal conduct. That's not complete. And not voluntary is if the person desists in their actions just because they think that they could be caught. For example, if the defendant in this case, McCloskey, had heard the sirens rather because the alarm was only in the offices of the officers if he had heard those alarms and believed that he was going to be caught and as a result he abandoned the attempt well then he could still be guilty of attempted prison break because that's not voluntary so just summing it all up we've talked about impossibility and abandonment and how those are defenses to attempt Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.